let's pray. Uh, Father, with my eyes closed, I look into the camera and through the screens into the everyday lives of the people and the families, our beloved brothers and sisters who are gathered for worship right now. And only you know what kind of week they have been through. They could be very tired, uh, belabored, exhausted physically and spiritually and mentally. And Father, uh, they need your strength. They need your spirit right now. Father, I pray for your protection over this worship service. Do not let Satan have a, foot, a foothold in anything that we do today, but let your people, covered by your wings, be able to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit through today's word, that they are to become more and more like Jesus Christ every day. And I pray that this would give hope to all of us, that as we hope in you, we would purify ourselves because we see a pure and a holy and a beautiful God. Father, would you glorify and magnify yourself, be the focal point of today. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. What is the purpose of life? Uh, very big question. Uh, sounds like I can't tackle it in 30 minutes, uh, but here it is. Um, I had that question when I was 12 years old. Uh, I came back from a youth retreat and a teacher uh, just prayed for me. Uh, we were praying together, and I was closing my uh, eyes. I didn't really know what to expect. And she just said this. She said, David, God loves you. And that's all it took to change me from the inside out. I became a Christian, and as I was walking home, it felt like I was walking on clouds. I was so happy, so, so happy that I was a Christian, that God loved me. And until uh, from that point on, my question was, what does God want from me? And I was like, oh, I have to go to heaven now. I have to go to heaven. And so 12 years old, uh, looking at my uh, watch, I was like, man, I have a lot of time left. <laughs> I don't know what to do from now on. If my sole purpose is to go to heaven, then I just have to wait now. And that's the thing. Christ didn't come here. His mission was not just to take you out of the world. His mission is to form the church in and through you. And the next phase of my life, um, I was asking myself, what's the purpose of life? It's not just to wait for Christ to come. I have to do something. I have to be active for the kingdom. And so I wanted to become a missionary for North Korea. And the next six years of my life kind of built towards that, the gospel unification of North Korea um, and also China as well. And I was so intent on doing things for God's kingdom that a lot of that time I had people speak into my life David, you got to wait a bit. you got to wait a little bit. Because God's purpose for our lives right now is not to have you wait until he comes. And it's also not to have you work and work and work for his glory. It, it, those are the two extremes. What he's doing right now is the best of both, both worlds. It's the best of both worlds. What he wants is to form the church within you that is able to have the engine of the gospel indwelled by the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus has done in his ministry. And then as we do so, God's kingdom is brought down here. And so once again, what is the purpose of life? It is to become like Jesus until God's kingdom comes. And so that's what we're going to look at today. How do we do so? Um, I have to re uh, tell you this. Martin Lloyd-Jones, 
in his book called God's Ultimate Purpose, it was a series of sermons, and he was talking about one key idea that's going to permeate all the sermons that we have from now on. And here's the thing. He says, our greatest need, our greatest need is to become who we are in Christ. Our greatest need is to become who we are in Christ. And another well-known pastor that I can't remember, he said this, the only job of a pastor is to remind God's people who they are in Christ. That's my only job. Every week after week after week, because we always forget, my job is to remind you who you are in Christ because of what the gospel has done for us. That's my job. So the answer to today's sermon is, who, what does God want from us anyway is to become God's image, God's child through the gospel. And so we have to look at our identity. That's all. Our identity determines the performance that I will do, right? And so, what is our identity? 1 John 3, 2 says this. Remember, 1 John 3, 1 is the end of last week's sermon's main text. And what it says is, Behold the crazy love, the, the, the out-of-world, uh, category-breaking love of God that changes me from the inside out. And then once we have that, uh, John, uh, 1 John 3, 2 says this, Beloved, we are God's children now. Now we are God's children. Now, uh, we have to remember that God, the same words that God spoke to Jesus in Matthew 3.17, he says, And behold, a voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And God is so pleased with Jesus Christ, what we have to understand is now we can hear that God is well pleased with us. Amen? God is pleased with you, right now, and he cannot be more pleased with you in a billion years. And this has to be the stable core of everything that you do from now on. You are already what you need to be. So we are children of God right now, and that is a war cry of victory. We are God's children right now, but as children of God, we are meant to reflect God's perfect and good moral character to this world. So Ephesians 5, 8 through 9 says this, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. It says this, walk as children of light. It doesn't say do good. It doesn't say do good works or be charitable. It says be the children of light. And it says in parentheses, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Everything that you will do is all that is good and right and true. So what does God want from us? All that is good and right and true because that comes from what children of God are capable from, capable of. Remember, we are the, the Bugatti Chirons of God's kingdom. We are meant to perform in a way that is good and right and true, and that's in our identity. But the reality is, and we have to be very sober about this, when we look at ourselves and I see what my past week was like, we have to confess that there are so many flaws, so many issues in my life that I haven't been able to perform to God's calling. I didn't look like a child of God the past week. So what's the issue? What's the issue? We are not to be discouraged by our downfalls right now because we have to look at the remaining part of verse 2. If you look at the remaining part of verse 2, it says this, And what we will be has not yet appeared. 
What we will be has not yet appeared. We are God's children right now, right now. But something about our identity has not yet come fully to us yet. It's not completed yet. And so we call this the already but not yet paradigm of God's kingdom. Already but not yet. Already but not yet. In other words, God's victory over death has been won. And God's kingdom is victorious. But the head of the snake has been crushed, but the body still wriggles. That's what we see in the world today. You know, we have been married to Christ. We have been, legally. But the marriage has not been consummated or fulfilled yet. And similarly, what John is saying is that we have been justified and adopted as heirs of God's kingdom. We are children of God right now. But it's not fully here yet. The full capacity of what we can do as God's children is not yet realized. And so when you ask me, what's the purpose of life? It's like, it's like saying this. Let's say, let's have the first picture up there. Let's say this child comes up to you and he's asking you, okay? Uh, wish the subtitle wasn't there. <laughs> but this child is asking you, um, what am I supposed to do with my life now? How am I supposed to live my life? And you look at this child and somehow you're able to see his future and you see the next picture. And you see the next picture you're like, oh, like he's Usain Bolt. And so what do you say to a child who's later going to become Usain Bolt and break the world record? What do you say to him? You say, uh, just be healthy. You know, do like eat well, like, you know, eat well, stay healthy. Don't do anything crazy. Just be who you are because uh, the ability to run 100 meters in 9.58 seconds, that's ingrained in your identity. You will train, but just be who you are. In fact, I'm, af- I'm afraid to touch you because I feel like I'm going to keep you away from what you can be. And the same thing holds true for God's children. What, can I, what advice can I give you that is already not ingrained in, in you if you are God's children saved by Jesus Christ? And so my advice to you is this. Be who we are meant to be. The same holds for Christians. What does God want from you? To become more like Jesus every day, even though already not yet applies today and we don't realize the full capacity. Continue growing in what Christ has planted in your hearts. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, We're created for good works to perform well, which God prepared when? Beforehand, that we should walk in them. This is organic language. We are to grow into who we already are. So when people look at you right now, they cannot even dream of what God will do through you and in you and for you. And all you have to do is simply become the image of God. Amen? That's all there is. It's as easy as this. What is the purpose of life? To become more like Jesus. To be a child of God. And the only question now, which we're going to devote the next, the whole part of the sermon is this. How? How do you become the children of God? How do you get from here to there? The already, but not yet. How do we get there? What will, in other words, trigger my full transformation into God's child. What's going to cause that to happen? And we have to look at the next verse. It says, But we know that when he appears, 
we shall be like him. When he appears, we shall be like him. Why? Because we shall see him as he is. What makes you like Christ? Beholding him. Looking to him. Because what's guaranteed in Christ is that he is so beautiful and so wonderful and so sovereign that when you see him, it's impossible to escape the benefits of exposure to God, which is to be like him and worship him. In other words, what triggers the full transformation of the children of God into the image, the full image? It is looking at the face of Jesus. Looking at the face of Jesus every day. See him, seeing him makes us become like him. Seeing him triggers this growth. In other words, we must behold to become. Behold to become. This principle is so important, I want you to repeat after me. We must behold to become. Amen. We have to think about how this works in our children. Education works this way. They learn by observation. Uh, my daughter once saw, once saw uh, my, my wife put on lipstick, and she saw that once, and then from that point on, she's always looking for a chapstick or some kind of stick to put on her lips. And so she's putting on lipstick just by observation. Uh, one day, my daughter also watched me watching Star Wars. So every, ever since then, she's always chasing Ethan with a bigger stick and waving it like a lightsaber. And so just by observation, my daughter is now very, very confused because she has lipstick and lifesaver, right? And she's chasing us with that. And the scary thing about beholding and becoming is this. When you behold something, we become like it for better or for worse. For better or for worse. Psalm 115, 4 through 8, David says this. Their idols are silver and gold. The work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. And verse 8 concludes, Those who make idols become like them. So do all who trust in them. In other words, whenever we look upon something and worship it, we become like it. And so it's interesting. Jesus the, the New Testament uses this phrase to talk about the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it's saying they, they see what they don't see. And originally, the original context is this is talking about idol worship. But the Pharisees and Sadducees have been pursuing the idols of their heart for so long that they've become like it. Right? And so they become what they behold. Admiring it, beholding it every day will make you exactly like the thing that you are looking at. That is the horror of idol worship. You become like it. During college, we had this pastor come over um, and he did a testimony. Uh, this was back in, I think, 2006. Um, he shared that he had covered his room with posters of gangsters. And so whenever he fell asleep, he was looking at the ceiling, he would look at the wall, and he would see a gangster, you know, rapping and, you know, holding a gun sideways. And he would stand in front of a 1967 Impala smoking. And every time he would look at that, he imitated their language, he imitated their pose, their clothing, and eventually he joined a gang until Christ converted him. And he, the, the main takeaway point, very practical, he told us this, uh, guys, go back home, and tell me what's 
on your posters. What do you see in your walls? Because what you see, you will become. And I had a very tough time with that because I couldn't say anything. Uh, I somehow had uh, a lot of posters of dolphins in my room, so I didn't know how to apply that. But here's the thing. We look and we become and we behold and we become transformed by what we see. That's why spouses always look and talk like each other, right? Because they've been exposed to each other for so long. Now let's look at the darker aspect of this. Ten years ago, the WHO, the Regional Office for Europe, wrote a document called Standards for Sexual Education in Europe, a framework for policymakers, educational, and health authorities and specialists. In this document, the WHO was recommending this, this following thing, that children between zero to four years old should practice child masturbation, and they should get in tune with their gender identity. Now, why this radical sexualization of even children? Why? Because we live in an age that worships sexuality, right? And so if there's no God, for example, atheism says there's no God, and then only the physical body exists, that's what, phys- uh, that's what materialism says and naturalism says, then what happens? The only good thing in life is survival and pleasure, And in that area, the only magical thing that captures our imagination and makes us worship is sex. There's nothing spiritual, and there's the only thing that's physical, the only magical thing that we have left is sex. And so we've worshipped it for decades. And what has that done to the worshiper of sex? We self-define as what? First and foremost, sexual beings. So right now, a person's sexual identity or gender identity, or sexual preferences, is divine. You cannot touch it. If you touch it, it's against human rights. Because it makes you human, because we have worshipped it for decades. So people who worship sexuality see us as sexual beings first and foremost, not as children of God. The identity shifts and changes. So is it a surprise to hear that the innermost heart cry of King David is Psalm 27, 4, and then 8 through 9? That's what he says. One thing I have desired of the Lord, one thing, one thing, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Verse 8 through 9. When you said, seek my face, My heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Why is this? Why does the only thing that David want is to be exposed and see God for who he is? Because it is the only thing that is beautiful. And it's the only thing that can trigger David to transform from the sinner that he confesses that he is into the perfect holiness of God. That must be our one desire to see and behold God for his beauty, and then gradually become like him. Amen? That's our sole purpose and desire in life, to turn into God by looking at him. So, how do we behold God? Let's take this to a more practical application. How do you behold God? How do we see him? The most practical way I can tell you is this. Worship Jesus every day. 
worship Jesus every day. Worshiping is beholding, right? So how do you look to him every day? You know, first of all, why look to Jesus first and foremost? Hebrews 1.3 says this, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, and it says this, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the exact representation of who God is, and so to clearly see God and behold him, God incarnated himself into a physical form for us to look upon, to observe, and to become like in the form of Jesus, in the personhood of Jesus. And so to the degree that Jesus is the exact representation of God, when you look to Jesus in the Gospels and you see him, then you can see the character, the patience of God, the justice of God, the mercy of God, the care of God, the patience of God. And when you look upon that, you can revel in his beauty and become like him. In particular, read the Gospels. How do you become like Jesus? How do you behold Jesus? In particular, read the Gospels as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. There is a beautiful passage that I was really struggling with because I wanted this passage to be the main passage, but here it is. 2 Corinthians three sixteen through 18. But their minds were hardened. For this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is the veil taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. What's the purpose of a veil? It covers. We can't see the fullness of it. But it says this, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is revealed. When you turn to Jesus, the veil is removed. And now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then this beautiful passage, And we all, with unveiled face, when we look at Jesus, unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Behold the, Je- Behold the Lord, the Jesus of the Gospels, and the veil will be lifted. And when you see him, you will be transformed into the same image of God from one degree of glory, which is the already but not yet. One degree of glory to the next, to the next, until you're like Jesus. Why is QT and prayer so important? It is the act of every morning you lift up the veil and you see, you say, Lord, show me what Jesus is like today so that I may see something that is so beyond this world that I would be transformed. And indeed, that's what happens when you do QT every morning. The veil is lifted. You behold and you become. And that is the purpose of life. Do you get that? If you're only investing 10 minutes of QT time in the morning and 24 hours are lived in pursuit of something else that you have self-defined as the purpose of life, you have got it all wrong. What you're trying to do can only be accomplished when you do QT and become like Jesus. Everything that needs to happen happens after the transformation. When you see his great, God's great love for you through the cross of Jesus Christ that transforms you and it triggers, verse 3, and everyone who thus hopes in Jesus, everyone who thus hopes in him, it says, 
purifies himself as he is pure. It's like Ilya looking, my daughter looking at my wife and, and, and doing this with chapstick. Same for Christians. We look at the beauty of Jesus and we do whatever he's doing. Like, okay, I see you carrying the cross. I see you serving people. I see you walking dozens of miles to reach one woman who is not, a, who is not Jewish. And we look upon that Lord, and in that hope, we purify ourselves. Why? Not because it is a responsibility. Not because we hate what we're doing right now. Not because we are pressured to be holier. We do it because it's beautiful. What we see in Jesus is so beautiful, and in that hope, we purify ourselves because what? He is pure. This is verse 3 of today's text. I'm not just drawing this out of a hat. This is verse 3. By looking into Jesus' moral perfection, we're discovering what we're supposed to grow into. Oh, that's what I'm supposed to look like. That's what I'm meant to be. And you purify yourself. Dear KCPC, you are what you behold. And next week we're going to talk about this. The reason our families are so broken the reason society is so broken is because we go like this and we look at anything but Jesus. And we become the things that we admire. We become the successful CEO that we want to be. We become greedy because we don't see Jesus. We become all the things that we so desire, but it's not Him. And it turns us, transforms us from one degree of sin to the next. The single role and purpose of a Christian is to keep your eyes fixed. That's why Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this. Let us run with perseverance. We need perseverance. The race marked out for us. There is a natural growth that is marked out for the Christian. What is it? Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So this is going to permeate. It's going to be a predominant theme in all of the remaining four sermons. Okay? So, how do I love my family? Parents, fix your eyes on Jesus and you will be the type of person your children need. You cannot have a formula that is extensive enough and flexible enough. What you need is a paradigm change. You need to be like Jesus with your children. And so, fix your eyes and run the race. How do you love your neighbor? Because the next two sermons is, about, is going to be about anchoring well with the people around you, relationships with the people. How do you love your neighbor? Fix your eyes on Jesus. And instead of going like this all the time, you'll be like, oh, Jesus did this. He did this. He did this. Right? You fix your eyes upon him. How do I work? How do I rest? The remaining five sermons, five and six. Fix your eyes on Jesus and you will do his creative work that restores creation instead of breaking it. And you will rest in a way that depends upon God instead of depending upon your own resources. And so I gave you the cheat key, the, the hack for the remaining four sermons. Keep your eyes fixed and you'll be okay. Keep your eyes fixed by worship. You'll be okay. Do you trust this? Keep your eyes fixed. You'll be what you need to be. You will be transformed. So this requires a very practical application. Today is Father's Day, so I want to apply this to the fathers. Uh, this is where fathers 
look into their bank accounts and they see what money they have left over and they buy themselves a treat. Here is the biggest treat that you can buy yourselves right now. Fathers, can you raise your hands and repeat after me? Repeat after me, okay? I will worship. I will lead my family in worship every day. Amen? Why? Because your family needs that from you. Your family needs you to look at Jesus and be transformed. That's what they need. And that is the biggest blessing that you can ever have in your life. Imagine a house filled with the images, small images of God, bigger images of God, becoming more like Jesus every day, communally and individually through QT and corporate worship. Imagine what that family can do in this world. That's what we need. A family that is centered upon the gospel, that looks to Jesus every day and is transformed, not because of the pastor's sermons, not because of the curriculum that we have, but because you are looking at Jesus every day. Now, a lot of you might feel that I have tricked you into raising your hand. And it's like, oh, I worship every day? That sounds pretty onerous. No, you know what? Let's keep it simple. Five minutes of singing together, worshiping Jesus together. Five minutes of reading God's word, whatever text you want to. And five minutes of responding in prayer. That's all I ask because this is the only thing that will change your life. Looking to Jesus through worship. What KCPC needs is a family who looks to Jesus and they're transformed. Those people will do everything that Jesus did in his ministry and greater. They will do so because they are who they are meant to be by worshiping Jesus. Can it be this easy? It can't be this easy, a lot of you will say. A lot of you who studied philosophy, a lot of you who studied leadership and all these self-help books, who look for 15 formulas and 7 steps, you're saying to yourself, it can't be this easy. It is this easy. That's the purpose of life. And you're going to say to yourself, but what about evangelism? What about the Great Commission? What about reaching the people? That only happens if you're the image of God. It only happens if you have been transformed. It is that easy. Just look to Jesus and whatever needs to happen in you and through you will happen. Jesus promises this. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you just look at Jesus every day, you will bear much fruit. And without that, you cannot bear any fruit, cannot do anything. Let's summarize everything that God wants from you today. What does he want from you? Number one, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repent. Do not create your own identity, but receive the identity that comes from the cross and be transformed from the inside out. Turn away from the impulse to build your identity, but receive your identity as children of God. And then, next, today's sermon. Then, as God's child who received the gospel... Behold the Father every day through worship. And then, every sermon that I will ever preach to you is step number three. Become 
like Jesus through hearing the word of God and responding. Be what you were meant to be. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, no wonder we're so tired. We look at our schedules and it's filled with 15, 20, 30 different things to do because we feel like we have to do it to be a better me, to be a changed me. But Father, we thank you for the message of liberation. For where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And beholding you, looking to your face, we will become transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Father, I pray that those who are so busy building their identities would simply look to you today, behold you, and be transformed from the inside out. Father, we made a promise today. And with all my fervency and with all my tears, I cry out to you, Holy Spirit, help them keep this promise because it's the only thing that, they, that can transform them from the inside out. Let, help them wake up every morning and let them echo after King David when he says, Lord, I only desire one thing. I want to behold you. I want to see you and inquire of you. And Father, I pray that because today is Father's Day, that all fathers here would be able to look upon you and lead their family to look upon you every day. And may, may their children see that their dad is being changed every day because they worship Jesus. They admire Jesus so much. And Father, another practical thing that I pray is that all other subcategories, sub-idols that we worship would fall and fade away because of the predominance of the worship that we have for you. In other words, let there be no other gods, no other idols except Jesus Christ our Lord so that we would purely look to you and only convey your image to the world and not anything that we have made for ourselves. Father, there are so many people who have built false idols and they worship them and they become lifeless like them every day. Lord, heal them with the gospel right now. Give them their identity right now. Let them be restored as your children that they would look only to you and become the salt and light, the image of God in this world. And Lord, I know that you are listening to this prayer right now. You will accomplish this in every single family in KCPC. Whether or not we remember this every day, you, in your Holy Spirit and by your power, you will accomplish this to greatly bless KCPC for your kingdom and for your glory, now and forevermore, we pray. Amen.